0: This episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by Fanatical. When you need to buy a new PC game, whether it's for Steam, Origin, Epic Games, or any other gaming storefront, make sure that you check out Fanatical because they will save you money, period. Go to nerdcognito.com, scroll down the page, and click on the link to Fanatical before you buy any sort of PC game. You can thank us later. And your wallet will thank us, too. Fanatical has AAA titles, indie, you name it. It's there. Make sure you check out Fanatical before any of your PC gaming purchases. And again, do it through us. Go to nerdcognito.com, scroll down, click on the Fanatical link, and you will be in business for less. Now... On with the show. Whoa, welcome everybody. My name is Ryan David. I'm joined again by Bert. Happy, happy week, Bert.
1: Happy Sunday, Ryan.
0: Well, it's it's Wednesday now.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, isn't it wonderful the world of podcasting? Um, we are here to talk about all of that nerdy stuff that went down this week. Um how was how was your week? How are you feeling?
1: Good. I mean, it's pretty uneventful. A lot of work in this week.
0: Yeah, I had a uh, pretty stressful real life week. Those of you that were uh looking for the show last Wednesday, you came up empty until last Thursday just because my life had to take precedence for a little while. And it's going to be a little chaotic still yet to come, Bert. But, you know, I'm not swinging from a tree yet, so we will get there. Not to mention, we didn't get to game this weekend because of the fucking ice storm of doom that hit the Northeast.
1: Right, how was it out your way? Here, it was terrible. Like, our roads were untouched. The It looked like everything was covered with a sheet of glass.
0: I live in, like, one of the... Better neighborhoods for my area, Be, not because not because it's a hoity-toity neighborhood or anything like that, but because the neighborhood in general, we've got the mayor, we've got the chief of police, and on my street we have two local officers, an FBI agent, and two council members. So our street is always absolutely nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it was okay the 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 first night of ice. I just kept getting woken up because the salt truck just kept coming through. Literally, it seemed like it was on the hour. And the streets were good, but I I didn't venture out beyond. I heard that a lot of the area outside of my own little bubble of semi-perfection when it comes to winter road treatments was not good this way. Not to mention, on top of the freeze... At least out here, we got about four more inches of snow. Oh, yeah. So, fuck winter, man. I am, I am ready. I am ready to go.
1: That damn groundhog saw his shadow.
0: <laughs> no, right. Well, I, I got into some, some more hot water on Facebook this week.
1: Uh-oh. How long are you in jail for I'm this not time? in
0: jail. I'm not in jail. I'm still deprioritized from the mystery violation that we talked about last week. But um, (laughs) I was talking to some like-minded nerds in a role-playing group on the Facebook. Okay. And just because... There's this perception out there, and I guess it's very much akin to real life, that I'm, I'm pretty polarizing. People either... Like and understand me, or hate and wish me death. Well, I sort of have learned to embrace that over the years, so (laughs) I posited this, and I'll, I'll read it to you. There's a lot of talk about starting new campaigns and doing different things out of the box. Here's something that I could legitimately see myself doing with a group. I would have my players create their characters, And then when finished, they would, quote, pass their stat block to the player to the right and recalculate as appropriate. There are no perfect creatures in any of my campaign worlds, and this includes players. Why would I do such an egregious thing? It's simple. Over-optimization since 3.5 has slowly killed the fantasy element of fantasy role-playing. I think this is a pretty solid idea that can force players to think outside of the box and provide a new and unique gaming experience for everyone at the table. How do you think that went over, Bert?
1: Well, I mean, I'm sure you got a lot of chest beating from the min-maxers and the... Uh, the, the uh, Well, let me just say meta-game. that pretty
0: much anyone under age 27 just responded that I'm a dick or that I'm a shit DM or that they would just get up and walk away from the table. I was shocked at the number of people that said their solution to this was they would walk away from a table. More than half said that.
1: Hmm. As somebody who's enjoyed playing flawed characters in the past, I could see that being interesting in character creation. Like, you wouldn't do it, like halfway through a campaign, but as you're designing a character, you know, create the character, then change their stats, it kind of gives the character an innate flaw, which can be interesting, you know, if they're in an environment where they're not totally destroyed by the changes.
0: Right. And, and I, I of course would allow for that. And I didn't even say this when I posted, but it did come up. In the conversation later, I, I posited the, the thought that maybe by second or third level, there would be some significant character compensation due from the DM. But it literally was 300 comments in before anyone even asked that question. I'm starting to think that the newer elements in our hobby are kind of Toxic. There is no room for anything that falls outside of the hive mind, Bert
1: mm. I don't know that that's true. I haven't played with enough younger players to say that they're toxic i I only know a few younger people in that space, and most of them are used to fifth edition uh, or something like that where it's you know pretty easy or pretty wide open especially now with the changes that you don't like but that that you can have characters that are um that aren't traditional characters you know what i mean what that you would think of right
0: i i get the feeling that a lot of people are trying to win at d we've we've fought against that for a long long time here's an example just randomly scrolling through the comments this is the opening comment you are a fucking cocksucker. If I was a player, I wouldn't play. And I would encourage anyone in your local area to not play with you, too. I would go on message boards, and I would go to local stores to put your wanted poster on the wall. I create characters mostly based on what I feel like playing. Well, no shit. Everybody does, right?
1: Sure.
0: I won't even play a pregen, and I won't do anything like this either. I would be so annoyed that I would make sure that your gaming life is hell. By the way, I clicked on your profile and listened to your podcast. It's a bunch of shit.
1: <laughs> wow, okay. How does that guy really feel?
0: Um. That individual clearly has some issues that need worked out, and they aren't going to get worked out at the gaming table.
1: I mean, I think all of us have made characters that we've gotten attached to or that we've... Um you know, that we really liked, but at character generation, I can't see that that, be, that kind of change being a huge issue.
0: I look at Dungeons & Dragons as my own personal therapy. I don't show up for a DM to fuck up my therapy session. That, you know, and, and it's not all negative, I do want to say, but it is 70-30 negative in... in As opposed to anybody that even considered the idea. You know, I had people that were reasonable and said, you know, why don't you just do 3D6? Which I get. Sure.
1: We've all... all, I've, I've rolled characters before and some of them have wound up being absolutely dreadful.
0: My character is an extension of my soul and you are stealing my soul by stealing the ability for me to play my character. I'm not changing the character. I'm just changing the numbers. Anyway, I was thinking, you know if it were absolutely crippling, you know if you're the barbarian and the fates had it that you pulled the eight strength i would I would probably let players swap one stat of their choice, right, so you could rotate two and so your primary stat would still be there
1: and and that makes that makes better sense i mean if if I design a wizard and the guy I traded with has a you know a, a barbarian. You know, I'm going to wind up with, you know, uh, let's say a 16 strength and an 8 intelligence as a wizard. That, that could be an issue. Right.
0: No, I, I completely understand that. Um, I probably would say you guys can swap any stat that you like, except for the highest stat. The highest stat is locked. And I think that that's a reasonable solution to that quandary. But this got me thinking in general how would some out of the box whether it be a homebrew whether it be a dm privilege call whether it would be a house rule how are these things being received in the gaming world now so i did some i did some looking right okay. non fifth edition non wizards products sales are down what percent Year over year for the last three years. Take a shot. It I'm happened? telling you right now that non-Wizard sales are down. Okay. Excluding Pazio, right? Ro- Pathfinder has their core.
1: All right. So so I mean, all yes. of the
0: independents and all of the second tier, so to speak, products, they are down. How much, Bert? Take a stab at it. Mm, 15%. Well, it sounded like you were going to get it at first. It's closer to 50%. It's
1: 47%. Oh, holy cow.
0: So, good for Wizards, good for Hasbro. Bad for the market, bad for the hobby. I'm also starting to understand why this hive mind is so prevalent. You know, I talked about it a couple of episodes back, maybe maybe a month or two ago. And we sort of just basically touched on it because, uh, you know, I'm the old man that's the curmudgeon now in the, in the hobby. Whether I like to admit it or not, it's true. The ripe old age in our 40s, you know.
1: <laughs> right, right. We, we're the guys who go, oh, I was playing D&D when it was second edition. Or...
0: But now, I don't know if it is just a reflection of society. That everything has to be like my way or the highway, or if it's a level of familiarity that people are—you know—we're human animals. We don't like change, but I'm starting to understand why these insane people get so vocal, and why the companies are listening to them, particularly wizards. When I saw that, when I saw that number, it was staggering to think cause, we know d and D's is the king. D&D will always be the king. But the king, for three years consecutively, has had market share increase at least by 40%. I think the lowest number was like a 41 or a 42%. Where's this diversity that everybody loves?
1: <laughs> hmm. That's a very good question. I mean, I would not have even begun to guess 50% change.
0: Yeah, it's 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 huge. So what what level of flexibility does a dungeon master have anymore? Am I supposed to TPK a party now? Because that's what the rules say? Is, is it unacceptable for me to fudge those roles? Likewise, if I have a player that I know has completely min-maxed, and maybe isn't honest on dice rolls. Am I not going to gimp his damage? I don't need to tell anybody; it's in my mind. What if I have a player that is consistently meta gaming? Uh, wh- here's the situation: Someone said, "If you," and I'm going to I'm going to use this voice because <coughs> they very clearly in the thread identified. <coughs> but um. They said, if you did that, I would just suicide the character. Then I would flip my chair and leave. Hmm. And I said, okay, well, if you're leaving, then what's the point? Well, then maybe I wouldn't leave. I would just suicide the character and come back with a stronger, more optimized character. Why wouldn't I gimp that stronger, more optimized character? Either outright... Or in-game. And I would probably do it in-game. I can't see... I kind of play up the dick thing. You know this, right? I've Mm -hmm. owned it over the years. I can't see me saying, well, I'm just going (laughs) to... Minus two to all of your stats. Just because. That's not me. But I could see them getting cursed and having an in-game rationale for them to maybe lose a modifier point here or there, but also have an in-game way for them to, to recover it. Is that not allowed anymore?
1: And I think all of us, anybody who's ever run a game has had to deal with that kind of issue. You know what I mean? There, You know, whether it's dealing with a character who wants to fight everything, dealing with a character that wants to, you know... Uh, that sets off every trap or has, you know, uh that that's metagaming, you know, I think all of us have had to deal with that. I think that um you know, there's a difference between fudging the numbers though and negating a character. You know? Um so let's take for example, okay, so you design a character that you want to play. That's what everybody does. You build a character that you want to play. Sure. You know, you talk to your DM beforehand. You get an outline of the world. You design a character that's built around a specific mechanic. Then the DM says, that doesn't, that, doesn't, that doesn't work that way in my world.
0: Why are you building a character around a mechanic or a number? That That's my first question. If you're going to be a, you know, lizard folk pirate, fine. But if you're going to be a lizard folk pirate so that on fire, Fifth level you get this skill that's a problem
1: too mm, i don't think it is the if, uh, okay so i'm building a wizard my right. character is going to specialize in anti-magic counter spell fine and then you come back and say <laughs> Counterspell doesn't work that way in my universe uh th-
0: th- ladies and gentlemen <laughs> bert's going to get a little irritated because this is a real situation from our last campaign I didn't say counterspell doesn't work in my universe. By the way,
1: right? No, you said it's not that kind of magic. But the book only defines one kind of magic.
0: I said it's not magic. Okay,
1: so so, so a targeted so, so a targeted magical effect that's not magic.
0: It was not magic, and I'm not obligated to explain beyond that.
1: Right. So if you have something in your world that's not magic that you've created, homebrewed, or otherwise, then you should either disallow the character that specializes in something that's not going to impact game mechanics or give them the opportunity to change those feats and those skills that they work to achieve. Now, to
0: be fair, we were playing 13th Age, and that ability is built in to, to, change, to change those skills and feats and, and spells. It's not as though you never counterspelled. Once. Oh, I think you only were denied a counterspell once when
1: the architectural I counted structure 9 times, 9 times you denied the use of the ability once it worked.
0: Now, was it twice up? I got,
1: twi- twice, up? I got to, twice I got to attempt it once it worked. 9 times it was denied.
0: I didn't let you try it and, and burn your turn.
1: Nope. You said that, that that's that's not effective. That doesn't apply. So nine times it was denied. Twice I got to attempt it. Out of two times, one time it worked. An attempt and a fail is one thing. But for so nine out of 11 times, basically what 80 some percent of the time, a uh, and I just outright protection. said,
0: You can't do that. I didn't let you just Correct. do it and, and have it fail.
1: Nope, you told me you can't do that.
0: Was I trying to be kind to give you your action back? I don't know. Looking at this from your perspective I, and, and trying to think back from my perspective, I can't see me saying you can't do that. In fact, unless I'm trying to save your action or unless we were having like a pseudo let's step out of the the game moment, because I remember there was one time where Mike and you and I did that. We stepped out of the game and just had a conversation about it. But I I cannot see me just saying, you can't do that. Because honestly, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, well, hell yeah, I'll let you burn your action.
1: Because it's not an action, it's a reaction. All you would say is it does not apply here.
0: Okay, so in my brain it was failing... And I apparently poorly communicated that. Now, you think I should, should, should tell you like from the beginning that there are going to be... Uh, there's this mob that has a spell-like ability, but it's not a spell?
1: No, but if I took two feats and an ability to use counterspell, and 87% of the time it doesn't apply, you might recommend to that player, choose some different feats. Because
0: I would have. Oh, I, w- I wouldn't recommend that to any player. I would never tell a player, at least in creation, to choose some different feats. Because at level zero, right, character creation, you have about as much of an idea as what's going to come down the pike at level three, four, five as I do. Unless you're running a module or something, right? I don't know.
1: Mm. You have a point. No, you know, I, but-
0: I'm just... I'm just trying to to wrap my head around telling a player to 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 pick a different feat or to pick a different spell. Maybe I'm a shitty DM, maybe these people are right.
1: <laughs> I mean, let me give you an example. I run a camp I ran a campaign and I didn't want to make it easy for characters to come back from the dead. So, you know, obviously resurrection, raise dead, things like that were not spells that PCs were able to learn in this world. But okay. I tell them up front, you know, you don't want to be a cleric of this god because you're not going to get these spells. This domain isn't going to, isn't going to apply because this spell, this spell, and this spell are not allowed. So pick something else. Well,
0: I, I think that's different, though, from the standpoint of it just doesn't exist, Right. And to an extent, uh, the last last campaign we we had, do you remember what the slave race was?
1: Mm -hmm. Halflings were a slave race. Oh, yeah.
0: And I said from the get-go, if you choose to play a halfling, and I recommend against playing a halfling, you will be hit with the stigma of being a slave race. I think Ralph wanted to play a halfling, if I recall.
1: I don't remember, actually.
0: And I kind of talked him out of it. Because that is a game-breaking thing. can't believe you're still pissed over the counterspell thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what level of autonomy does the DM have, then, to to spring things on their players?
1: Well, there's a difference between springing things on players And singling out one player and nerfing their abilities.
0: No, we're not. We're we're not talking about counterspell anymore.
1: (laughs) No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, it could be any character. You know, you could say this god is dead. If you're a cleric of that god, then you just singled out a character and blew them up.
0: Okay, so (laughs) the if a DM comes in and says a god has died, blah blah blah, and there is a cleric that is Praying to that God, right? Right. Then that's the DM's responsibility to make sure that the character still functions, and right.
1: whether it's allowing a change of deity, change of or, deity,
0: uh, or another deity accepts those prayers as it, it, because, or a series, or you know, a group of deities. I'll accept a piece of those, uh, sort of a piece of the pie, because sure, well, this deity will take this domain, this deity will take that. You know what I mean?
1: Right, right.
0: That's the DM's responsibility then to make sure that you're not breaking a character, but right. shifting a stat.
1: Right. No, I I have no problems with shifting a stat. You know, the stats are, you know, the the way that you came up with the character creation, it comes up with a great idea to avoid people who are min maxing or power gaming you know it's a great uh, you know it can be a really effective mechanic because it creates flawed characters which are a lot of fun to play
0: right and the reason that i i think i enjoy the 13th age for character creation specifically is because it forces you to balance your numbers a little bit otherwise you're going to get crippled because it, it looks at that median number right for, for your resistances.
1: Right. I mean, if you're min-maxing stats, then you're prone to, you know, you could be prone to, because it's going to take the median number for, you know, resistances and saves, so you're prone to magic being used against you, for example. Right. Let me
0: see here. What would be another thing that I think would be just fine for a DM to, to spring on a group? Without, uh, you know, there was this whole, oh, well, there needs to be a bond of trust. Like, like we're going into combat or something here for real. We're (laughs) we're not jumping out of a helicopter. We're sitting around the table drinking soda and having a good time. (laughs) Um,
1: Hopefully having a good time.
0: Hopefully, unless you're Bert and your counter spell doesn't work. You're having a good time. But no, like, there's a lot of going on out there. Am I being a crabby old man about this?
1: I don't think that you're being a crabby old man about it. I think that, well, I mean, you're self-admittedly the biggest asshole on the Internet. So I, I don't I think know. That Elon
0: what... Musk is like my, my <laughs> hero now. Did you see his shit with the GoFundMe? No. I will send it to you when we're off the air. Okay. Only because it's political, and I don't want to do political stuff on, on the show.
1: That's fair. I mean, I, I don't think political stuff... This is supposed to be a nerdy podcast, right. not a political commentary.
0: And, and, and for those of you that are listening, I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with the politics. I just think that he is a masterful troll that has the money to not give a fuck.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, the occasionally DMs screw over their players. That that happens, you know. They do things, you know, the first time you fight a rust monster with magic weapons and lose all your weapons, you uh you know that a DM will screw over their characters. It's funny you use that
0: example. I'm gonna interrupt you, but then I'll let you go back into that thought because there is a comment and uh I'm not going to look it up for word for word, but okay. it was, this is why I don't use Rust Monsters. <laughs> I'm going to wear that button out tonight.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, the thing is, you know, you would hope that your DM would screw all the characters equally and not single out one and nerf them. Like, there's a difference between being an asshole and, you know basically blowing up one person's character
0: well unless you're trying to get rid of that person
1: that's a different story that's a different thing you know sometimes some people don't just don't mesh but then why wouldn't you just pull that person aside and say hey you know you don't seem to be enjoying yourself you're making things difficult for other players you know do you want to you know try changing your character do you want to drop withdraw or drop out like but because sometimes
0: You're... it's fun to recover your lost time that you've invested in that person. Just saying, from the asshole perspective. <laughs> uh, but but I digress. A- anyway, uh, back back to your, your point, because I did interrupt you, and I don't want to derail your thoughts.
1: Oh, no, no. I'm just saying, like, the first time you fight a rust monster and your brand-new nifty magical sword turns to dust, you you realize that, you know, your characters are going to have hardships. You just hope that... Everybody is kind of equally screwed. The world is not a friendly place. We all know this. Even the fantasy world is not a friendly place. That's why it's called, you know, the Monstrous Manual and not, you know, Unicorns and Cupcakes Incorporated.
0: That will be in sixth edition, though, because orcs are no longer evil. <laughs>
1: uh. <laughs> you know, but you would hope that all the characters are facing similar hardships instead of one character unless it's an NPC that you're all trying to like save from dying or something, is basically getting screwed the same way.
0: Right, and I think that if a DM is going to take liberties that are beyond the scope of the rules or even explanation for the players, I can't imagine them singling someone out, except for, like you said, if they're trying to get someone to skedaddle. And and that is, that's a philosophical question. I'm okay with it. I know a lot of you folks out there probably are not. But, you know, I, I'm a little more grizzled. <laughs> I, I, I still will have the Rust Monster. Although, we, I can't remember the last time I've actually used a Rust Monster.
1: Mm, I, I did, uh, I had a lot of fun with gelatinous cubes for a while until I killed half a party.
0: Well, you know the best trap in the world is a gelatinous cube in a pit trap.
1: Oh, you, I'll I'll do you one better. Um, a, a, a black ooze in a sealed stone jar. Nice.
0: <laughs> Same general concept, a,
1: right? You get a steel sealed stone jar as part of your treasure. What is in it? Are you going to open it and find out? Yes. Oh, a black inky substance pours out.
0: Yay! <laughs> And you thought it was just Alchemist's fire? <laughs> Does Alchemist's fire still exist? I don't know.
1: Mm, I haven't checked. The I'm sure. For I'm alchemist's sure it fire, probably
0: too. exists. I mean, otherwise, what happened to the alchemists? They're all sitting in town, being NPCs, not producing anything, <laughs> brewing potions, and everybody's just I gotta do more healing potions. <sighs> Or alchemists. I remember Overworked the variant character the under- from 2nd Edition Revised that was the the, the bomb-throwing alchemist. <laughs> yes. I forget what they were officially called, but that's pretty much what he did. He he made Molotov cocktails of different varieties and threw them.
1: Yeah, yeah the alchemist and... Oh, what was the other one that I really liked? The Tinker Mage.
0: Well, you never know if it's going to work or if it's just going to blow up
1: right right exactly this could be great boom nope it wasn't
0: <laughs> no siree i guess the the most important thing is vet your group and and players vet the groups you're going into because every table is going to be different and Absolutely. every table is going to have a different philosophy and a different mix of personalities.
1: And that's never an easy thing to do. I mean, I've played in groups where guys have, you know, almost come to blows over D&D, and you, you finally had to, you know, vote them off the island, so to speak.
0: Right. And it's, it's not fun because yeah. you never want to have that conversation. But um, speaking of come to blows, how about Rob and Mike almost getting into a fight? Oh, wow. Yeah, when, when Rob, Rob stepped out, when he quit coming, it wasn't me. It was Ryan. It's my Rob voice. I almost punched that motherfucker. I have never played a game to the point where I wanted to physically harm one of the other people. But he gets under my skin so bad. So I'm going to make you make the decision. You have to make the call. It's him or me.
1: Oh, man.
0: Now, I've known Rob a long time. I've known Michael a longer time. And I explained to Rob very politely that I'm going to pretend that you didn't give me an ultimatum because Michael and I have a relationship to the point where you won't like the decision if I have to make a choice. Hmm. And we left with Rob saying, well, call me when he's not there. Um, interesting. I wondered why
1: he stopped playing.
0: Yeah, um, I can very likely see him playing with us again if Michael's not there, but um, it's like I told Rob. You don't want to put me in a position where I have to make that choice because it's not going to be favorable because I will pick Michael. And uh, that was that. Rob uh, made the choice to not come Doors open for if he wants to return. And if for some reason Michael's not gaming with us, I guess I'll let him know. But that that's where Rob went. <laughs> Look at this. I mean, All, players gone by. It's like memory lane.
1: Right. You know, whatever happened to Baby Jane, kind of.
0: I was disappointed when Rob stopped playing. But, you know, if he and Mike had that big of a personality conflict, then then so be it. And he did it the right way. You know, he talked to me privately and we didn't make a big deal out of it.
1: Right. I mean, I, I withdrew from a group one time because of somebody that I wasn't getting along with. I I didn't want to ruin the gaming experience for everybody else. I really wasn't having fun playing with this person around. So I decided to take a step back and just kind of, I talked to the DM, let him know that I was going to, take some time away from the group and, you know, that, uh, you know, it was no slight against their campaign and things like that. But it it was just best for everybody involved that I, you know, take a step back rather than spend... We would have, like, a four-hour gaming session, right? And I would spend at least an hour and a half or two hours conflict, in conflict with this other player. Arguing over rules, uh, you know, arguing over characters' abilities. Like, it literally got to the point where it was detrimental to everybody at the table. So it was better for me to walk away at that point.
0: I don't have a pithy transition at all this week. You want to you wanna read some news?
1: Sounds good. Lay it on me. What, yeah, what, got, what's in the news this week? I
0: got nothing to take us there other than the music. Um, this week, a uh, bunch of stuff. We talked about food with uh, pears and table and as food nerds i think we've all in some capacity or another mine was earlier for his career i i'm not so much a fan now but we know of alton brown you know alton brown yes alton brown in a career retrospective says that one of his recipes from good eats one stands above all others. You want to hazard a guess?
1: Hmm. I don't know. I learned quite a bit from watching that show. I'm trying to think of what recipe he would think would be sort of the best of the best, but
0: good eats. I would really have. Good Eats and, and Iron Chef America is probably my Alton Brown fan knowledge. I... I... Did not like the the decline afterwards and moving into the reality shows and that sort of thing.
1: Right, right. I was never a big fan. Good Eats and, like, to some extent, Iron Chef America, but I prefer the original Iron Chef myself.
0: Oh, of course. Of course. I posted last week that, that they were running the the Mr. Iron Chef tournament on the Pluto TV Iron Chef channel, and I was geeked to see it. But... uh to, back to ab one recipe hands down the best is hmm. alton brown's good eats roast turkey
1: hmm. okay
0: his recipe is the culmination of food science and just good cooking the recipe is a rather extensive recipe for turkey but not for most people because i don't consider brining as active time But it it was, and I will raise my hand and admit that because of this recipe, I started brining turkeys. Now, I don't necessarily follow his recipe, but I've never not brined a turkey since.
1: Mm, Agreed. Uh, I, uh, I normally smoke mine, but I still brine them first.
0: Right. 12 hours of brining, followed by 30 minutes of roasting and two and a half hours of cooking with a whole lot, you know. Only Martha Stewart can make a recipe more complicated than Alton Brown. That is my one criticism I have of Alton Brown. (laughs) Sometimes (laughs) it's just a little too much there, AB. But uh, hands down, Alton Brown's brined roast turkey from Good Eats from way back in the day is the recipe that everyone should try and remember him for. I don't know if I've ever made his turkey straight up by the recipe.
1: I don't think I've ever used, like, his full recipe. Like, when I was learning to make my own brines and things like that, I went back to that, uh, like, I went back to that episode and I I, uh, looked over it. But I, I can't say I followed his recipe from start to finish to know if that turkey comes out as amazing as he claims.
0: I don't know that I did either, and I was a big Alton Brown fan in in the Good Eats days. In fact, you know, had both of the cookbooks when they first came out, like his first, when it was his first one, and he did the book signing here, and we went and got them autographed, and my ex-wife has them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But nonetheless, good for you, A.B. You picked a big one. Ah. Next up on the block in the news is the bane of my news feed in Facebook. Wordle. Are you tired of seeing these fucking Wordle diagrams?
1: Yes. Yes, I, I have well, no it, desire to play the game, and these diagrams are showing up everywhere.
0: It's only going to get worse because Wordle has been purchased by the New York Times. The New York Times will eventually... Bring Wordle behind their paywall. Wordle will initially remain free, according to a statement by the New York Times. Initially, gotta love capitalism. And I do. I mean, I'm not gonna fault anybody for making money. I don't see the appeal because I can fucking play Scrabble. <laughs> I guess it's kind of like Scrabble and Bog- I honestly don't know. I I'm not even gonna pause it. All I know, it's like Scrabble and Boggle. Letters in a block with a bunch of words.
1: It's not know. enough
0: for me to want to try it.
1: Right. I, I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of those kind of games online. I've played them in person, and it's always fun to get together and play Boggle or play Scrabble or. But there are. Uh, you know, about a thousand other games that I could be playing if I'm online.
0: Plus I, I, I don't trust if if it's truly online competitive. How many online Scrabble dictionaries are there? I don't trust anybody.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, how easy would it be to cheat? For real. Anyway, New York Times, buying Wordle, uh, for a some, sum somewhere in the low seven figures, which is good. I mean, it was an independent developer. Good for him.
1: That's, Absolutely.
0: That's what we all want.
1: Make the money and run.
0: Yep. So we're looking at another Kickstarter coming out based on the four-player co-op first-person shooter Deep Rock Galactic. Did you ever play the game?
1: Never. Never.
0: Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like Left for Dead-ish. You know, you're dwarf miners in an asteroid in space. Okay. Shit goes wrong.
1: Doesn't it always in space?
0: You know, space bugs. Space so. bugs. Everybody has space bugs. Alien, Starship Troopers, Deep Rock Galactic. <laughs> Well, it is going to be a co-op. Ghost Ship Games is partnering with Mood Publishing to bring the tabletop game to market. We've got to stop saying bring games to market when it's Kickstarter. Games are to market when they retail release.
1: Hmm, true. I mean, Kickstarter might get them to the masses, but I wouldn't call that bringing them to market.
0: It is going to be a large format. Read expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Miniature driven. Read very expensive. Oh boy. Four player co-op that was based on Doom, the board game, which is pretty good.
1: I don't think I've played that. I've heard of it and I've seen some things, but I've never actually played the Doom board game.
0: I'm going to send you the board of Deep Rock Galactic. This is a production still that they sent, along okay. with um, miniatures, which are crazy, cool mini-or-not-level detail miniatures.
1: Oh, These these minis do look kind of neat. I wonder if this thing will see a retail release.
0: Here's another one that has, like, the full boat of minis. Oh, wow. So painters are going to have a field day with this one. Definitely going to launch february 10th at 1 p.m final pricing has not yet been disclosed so i can't see this being less than 200 bucks not with those minis not with that size board not with those components the ip didn't cost them much
1: right i mean are we looking at another cthulhu wars here like that kind of price point
0: I don't think it's going to be that much. I think you're going to pay the the Kickstarter premium. Mhm. Looking at it on the surface if it were a retail release, it's probably a $130 board game, but you're going to you're going to pay the Kickstarter premium for this one. And honestly, if it's based on Doom, I'd, I'd rather have the Doom IP than Deep Rock Galactic. Everybody knows Doom and everybody knows the story of Doom even if they've not played. Deep Rock Galactic just doesn't doesn't have that appeal unless you are in that gaming base
1: already. And I don't know what their, you know, what the fan base is for that game. I don't know what the sales were for it or something like that, but Doom is definitely more widespread than Deep Rock Galactic. I hadn't heard of it until you brought it up just now.
0: Well, there there you have it. I was talking to Mike about it this week, and his response was, what's that? So, I don't know. There's a lot of effort and a lot of money being thrown at a game that's probably not going to make it. I mean, I'm sure it'll fund, right? People will buy it for the miniatures alone. But I'm saying as far as a game, just buy Doom. Just buy Doom. And Doom's published by Fantasy Flight, so you get a better price.
1: Who doesn't like Fantasy Flight games? Right.
0: Piggybacking on the video game crossovers in the world. Um, So moving right along... More Witcher news this week, Bert.
1: What's new with The Witcher?
0: A new standalone single-player game of Gwent is coming this year, telling the new tale with a card game spun off from The Witcher 3. Uh, it's got a code name. It's called Project Golden Necker, and that's about all we know so far. But CD Projekt Red is confirming that uh, it is Gwent-based, It's not another Witcher Tales game, but something different. We're aiming to provide a captivating single player for players who prefer it over competitive multiplayer Gwent. Did you get into Gwent when you were playing through The Witcher?
1: A bit. A bit. I also downloaded the Gwent app to my phone. I was playing it pretty regularly for a while. When I first started getting into it in the game, I downloaded the app to kind of... uh, So I could practice, you know what I mean? Sure.
0: I did not really start playing Gwent in the game. In fact, I avoided it until I had to play it. And then I was like, shit, I don't have a deck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess, good, yay. There's enough card battlers out there, and I don't think that Gwent was that groundbreaking or earth-shattering. But... Gwent be coming with a single player story mode.
1: <laughs> I can't remember the last like single player card battler that I can think of that I even played. Other than, you know what I mean?
0: Hearthstone. Did you play Hearthstone? Um,
1: a little bit. I didn't get too. I didn't get too much into it. But yes, that might be the last one.
0: Not anything that really draws me in more like a single player card game that's not a card game that's a video game of a card game i'll probably pass on it
1: it can be interesting as a mechanic in a larger story like i fondly remember the card games from like final fantasy 8 and things like that as part of the as part of the story setup but by itself you're right you know they kind of or a little lackluster, at least in my eyes. I
0: think the only one I played with any regularity was the EverQuest card game that spun off from, from, from EverQuest 2. And I played that for a little while. And it was neat only because you could actually get card loot while playing EverQuest 2, and you could get EverQuest loot while playing the card game, and, and it connected your <laughs> accounts. But I, I did put some serious time and a little bit of money in it. so I think that was back when you had to buy card packs. Ah, uh, okay. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about Dying Light 2 and their pre-launch sort of shocker that Dying Light 2 would take a considerable chunk of your life away if you wanted to play it to completion. It was 500 hours.
1: Right, right, forever.
0: By the time this drops, I believe it will be live and available. If not, I might be off by a week, but it doesn't matter. I'm not buying it at launch anyhow. But preview copies have have been sent out, and we did not get one. Boo. I'm just going to read you the headline that seems to... Echo the sentiment of everyone that's got a preview copy. Okay. 500 hours might have been a conservative estimate for Dying Light too. Oh, Lord. Apparently there are now repeatable procedurally generated dungeons that have been, I, I don't want to say added to the game, but that they didn't sort of talk up. So it just became Diablo 2 only as a third person RPG parkour. Oh my God, I might actually buy this game now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I did you play are the a big Diablo 2 fan.
0: I, I did play the first one, and I played it quite a bit. Not to 100%, but I played through the main quest, and all the side quests, and all of the DLC. And I I enjoyed it. All you need to do for Dying Light 2 is to open the legend, and you'll see 30 different points of interest scattered across two maps. There's obstacle course parkour challenges, dangerous dungeons called Dark Hallows, climbing challenges, mini-bosses, bandit camps, airdrops, and the list goes on and on. There is no shortage of things to do in Dying Light 2. And that's before you even consider the branching narrative that demands multiple playthroughs if you want to see it all. 500 hours is an absurd amount of time to put into an open-world game, but on my preview copy, as I approached 50 hours, I'm not certain 500 is even enough. And this is Eric Switzer. Hmm. Big game.
1: Very big. The question is, you know, a game that large, it sounds like it's got a lot of diverse things to do, but... What are people saying about the gameplay? Is it fun? Is it, you know?
0: The preview copy did have bugs, and I don't fault that because it is pre-release. Right. But we're getting pretty close, guys. (laughs) I do wish people would finish their fucking games before they release them. (laughs) But uh, everything I have seen is it's pretty much dying light, only bigger and bigger and
1: bigger. Sounds like something that you would uh, get into. You, you were a huge Diablo guy. You you played the first one. I could see you sinking your life into uh, Dying Light too. I don't
0: know if I have 500 hours to dedicate to that kind of game.
1: I mean, oh, let's continue. face facts.
0: I, may, yes, I have almost 1,300 hours building fake cities, but that's also passive that. time. Right? (laughs) That's my city builder is up and running while I'm doing other shit. Mm. I would say that active game time, even on that big one for City Skylines, is probably half of what's actually logged. Just because it's that passive kind of game. Yeah, I don't know if I would dedicate 500 hours. But that's the news (laughs) this week, Bert. Kind of a lackluster news week, I think.
1: Yeah, not a lot of really exciting nerd news this week.
0: No, no, not a lot at all. I got no idea what to talk about now. (laughs) We did go heavy on on the first half.
1: We did. And, uh,
0: you know, I've got to go upstairs and stitch my wounds up, because you cut me deep. (laughs) But, no, I, I...
1: I I I think you I think you you were I think you were hunting for content like that. No,
0: I don't do that.
1: Oh yeah, (laughs) yeah. You were like, let's poke Bert, let's poke the bear and see if we can get him to bite me. (laughs) You
0: know. (laughs) You sound like these snowflakes on Facebook that are calling me a troll.
1: (laughs) Ryan, let's face it. You you are the king of trolls.
0: No, no, no. I'm a duke at
1: best. A duke, of the Duke of Trolls.
0: Duke, 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 duke of Trolls. That's all I can do because of copyright. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think we've had quite a fun-filled evening, and I have no problem ending on the news tonight, if that's agreeable to you. We were talking about doing a nano, down the road, mm-hmm. about your five-player terraforming Mars. How did that go? briefly without giving oh. anything away
1: actually it, it wound up not coming together like the the uh not we couldn't get five people together to play it they, they decided to play a different game and i kind of bowed out because my uh because of the health problems i've been having but i'm still looking to get into a five-player game of uh terraforming mars well, there you have it,
0: folks. There's no Nano coming up anytime soon.
1: <laughs>
0: but that's all right. Well, you know, life happens, you know. I've had a, a hell of a two weeks.
1: Right, absolutely. This is gonna going to be...
0: On. We're coming down the mountain now, but it's still going to be a hell of a week. So shit happens, and that's why we do the nerdy things that we do, because sometimes... We just need to take a step away and take care of ourselves, whether it's through a game or or yelling at your dungeon master on a podcast.
1: Well, Ryan, are, are you saying that you use gaming as a type of therapy?
0: Fuck you. <laughs> I try to be human for a moment, and this is what I get for it. Well, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> on that note... I think it's time for us to go. My name is Ryan David. That asshole is Bert.
1: That's right.
0: (laughs) And uh, you've been listening to Nerd Cognito. Make sure to like, subscribe, and share, share, share. While I am deprioritized on the social network giant, we rely on you to get the word out of our lovely show. Once again, thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you next week.
1: Bye, folks.